and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast, your daily conversation about the Washington Red, uh, Washington Wizards. I can't keep track of my podcast, Todd Dibes. There's too many of them. <laughs> Shame on you. E- either way, both of those podcasts come from the insider's perspective of those who are in inside the ropes, behind the ropes, right? In the, the locker rooms. In the locker rooms. On at press, the games. At the games, on press row. Strange ideas <laughs> they, in this they, age. <laughs> Hey, I heard expertise is dead, but we're going to try to prove them wrong. Um, although expertise, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, Ben Sandick here with Todd Divers from the Washington Times. Uh, we are here. Another Wizards win, Todd. This is getting boring. The Wizards just keep winning games. <laughs> okay, fine. It's not getting boring. I will say this. This was an enjoyable one from start to finish because the Wizards played hard basically from start to to finish, uh, this was a good one. How are you feeling right now? We saw John Wall in a defensive stance on the first possession, so that was indication number one. Everything might be moving in the right direction. You know, he, it, it, I'm already veering off my plan. You, 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 you make that point. He himself, when asked about the Sixers game the other day, they were getting you know blown out for a minute there in the first half. And then he got going. He said the key was he was not, was not being aggressive on both ends of the court, not just offensively, both ends, and that the team goes as he goes. That is something to keep in mind for the next time somebody says, hey, if the Wizards are having a downturn, hey, how come things are not going right? Well, I would just maybe look at – think of what Todd just said about defensive stance and what John Wall just said, and instead of blaming 22 other people, just keep in mind, for better or for worse, this team does go where he goes. He was in it to win it from the start. And the game went that way. And luckily for them, he's an exceptional player. So when he is ready to go and going, you know, it's obviously he's battling some human nature when he lifts his head and sees TJ McConnell and then lifts his head and sees Lillard, uh, (laughs) you know, in his brain. And especially Lillard's a guy who I think, you know, he – he gets compared to that level of player. Like if we're going to sort of say – him and Beal in that backcourt too to top it all off. Absolutely. But that was essentially the lead – for what I wrote was basically there could be an argument between which backcourt may be better. There was no arguing today which team was better. Um, so there's that. So so let's get into this. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about a change. Well, a, a, a recent change in the rotation and stats because I like stats and Todd's another nerd. So that'll be fun for us. Um, all right. So let's get to this. Um, we're going to call this the three point play segment sponsored by the Marching Gortat suggestion box. He said to hurry things up, and we're already going slow, but we're going to try to make it more tight. Number one, thank you from Press Row. I can't tell you how many times I've started to write my story. Either way, the Wizards are winning or losing or whatever, and then it's inevitable. The second I say, and blah, 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 and -and so-and-so wins, immediately game goes tipsy, uh, whatever, uh, I don't know. I'll let you work that out. The game game goes, (laughs) gets turned around. Now the big run that I had doesn't matter. You have to start over. Not the case here. No. Wizards start the game 10-zip. Correct. They later have a 17-0 run and lead at halftime 75-50. Then ice cream. Ice cream. 75 in the first half. Good. That's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a Georgetown game here tonight. I don't know if either team will get 75 in the game, let alone <laughs> in the first half. Then uh, Marching Gortat, he had a layup in the third quarter to make it 95-65. That's 30. The Portland coach, Terry Stott, like, all right, screw this. He threw that the starters with about four minutes to go in the third quarter. They never came back. Portland got it within 17, enough to make Brooks get somewhat nervous to put Wall and Beal back in for like two or three minutes. 
but they, they fended that off and the game was over. So yes. for the most part, this was a pretty rare, not even just for the Wizards, but even for any NBA game. NBA, yeah, yeah. To yeah. not have it get right. into single digits or, or, you know, within a point where you're like, oh boy, this might be a thing. Yeah. So 12 in a row at home as we record this number five in the East and so much of a massive difference from two months ago. We were noting two months ago to the day was when the Wizards lost at Philadelphia when the 76ers didn't play Embiid and Washington moved to two and eight after that loss. And now they're 21 and 19 and Bradley Beal post game is mentioning as part of an answer how these are steps towards having home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, we, we, we are operating in a different world uh, at the moment. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that when, you, when, when you told me that, that that's fairly uh, crazy talk. Uh, but I guess that is what happens when they are, I think it's 15 and 7 now since December 5th. They've won 5 of 6 in this little stretch uh, of action. So, you know, it's, it's onward and upward. Uh, you know, the bench put in some good work today, you know, in the, in the, in the conversation of which backcourt is best, I'll, I'll ask you that on the record in a second, but Beal and Wald, clearly today, Beal 21 in the first half, finished with 25, Wall 24 and 7, so he's been playing with his splint on his right pinky to stabilize the pinky, uh, you don't want to call it a technical splint, I don't know, he's got some crap on his hand. We're back to pinky splint, we can't, we're back talking about pinky splint. Well, yeah, because... I mean, look, in two games, I mean, in the previous game, he was four for 21 from the field. In the two games with the pinky splint, pinky he's averaging splint, 24, drink. <laughs> 24 and a half points, 19 of 34 shooting, five of seven on threes, six and seven free throws, which is why I tweeted out John Wall splint, hashtag NBA vote. <laughs> I mean, I think that thing needs to go to uh, the all-star game if nothing else. Um, I mean, Lillard and McCollum, it, it never even got going, so I'll i put you on the spot. If we give Golden State the best backcourt title, yes. who's second? Uh, I think – I mean, I feel kind of weird saying DeRozan is a backcourt player, to be honest. I mean, I suppose – Because he doesn't really shoot from deep? You're just – like, he's just, like, not a two to me. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, this day and age, because he doesn't shoot, it's pretty rare to have a guy like that. Yeah, but I, I – I would say, for me, it's super tight between Toronto and, and the local duo. Um, one interesting thing I just stumbled across in, in trying to kind of consider this point, I was simply going to say, you know, because Beal has never played enough, you know, it just there's no real good sample size to compare everybody. But today was Beal's 36th start of the year, which is one more than he made last season. Wow. He yeah. had 35 starts last season in 55 games. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's no wood for me to knock up, but I have been thinking to myself for a while because I, uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, the, the I guess the previous one I just did, where I went through a bunch of stats looking at Wall and Beal's uh, field goal attempts and how the number of that many, the number of those attempts seems to dictate whether they're winning or losing. And I was noticing how many games there were where the two of them were playing because Beal's been has been playing. So yeah, knock on wood if you're listening to this, and then we can all. So the blame is not on us. But uh, yeah, no, he's that's crazy. I did not realize he's already played had more starts this year than last year. You know, he gives a scare every fifth game, but 
for the most part. Yeah, these have been very moderate injuries for him. That are just a hamstring thing off of the slip and the, and the ankle rolls. So we have not heard the his personal Grim Reaper creep up with the lower right leg uh, stress fracture stuff. All right, so let's get to point number two. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, fast? Already? I don't know. Do you got anything else for this game? No, I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm mocking our, yeah, our turtle-like pace. Yeah, yes. yeah. All right, point number two. We'll stay with the backcourt, backcourt though. Sadoransky, here we go again, two games in a row. He's the guy. I think he was the first guard off the bench, but whatever. He was, you know, to your DeRozan point, he wasn't so much a guard today as he was like a power forward. He gets 10 and 10. His first career double double, most uh, career high in rebounds. Uh, he came, he got, I think, like, what, eight in the first half, six in the first half? He had a lot right, right off the bat. And the you know, active, active Sato was back. Yeah, yeah, and to the point of like them not giving up the lead, as we've seen this many times. The starting five will go out, put up some good numbers. The bench comes in, and three minutes later, Brooks is calling timeouts and putting the starters back in because a 15-point lead is down to four. Well, that didn't happen today. It just kind of kept going and going, and and the, and the play from Sadoransky combined with Burke, you know, together with Ubre getting he had 18 points. You know, all that seemed to work today. Uh, I tweeted this out. I guess I should say you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. Todd is at Todd underscore Dibus and the site at Locked on Wizards with a podcast. Uh, I don't know what the Wizards are going to do if they can make a move. We've gone through this a million times and they don't have too many things to work with. But the one, you know, the, I, I, the, I've always said the one guy who they can get something more out of is Ubre because he, with, if he can consistently play 25 minutes a game, do the 3 and D stuff. He can give them – he has the potential to, to do more than a lot of his other guys. Well, Sadoransky would be second on the list. only reason I haven't been mentioning him is he hasn't been playing. Um, I had somebody tell me just today that they thought that Sadoransky was starting to look a little more confident than, than he had been. And then we, the game starts. He hits a really tough uh, shot, defended well. Yeah, uh, like a, like yeah mid-range. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then quickly after that, he hit a three-pointer, which is his first three-pointer in like two months. <laughs> something like that and uh I asked him about it after the game and he said yeah i mean you know basically that that yeah it's, it's, it's hard to to keep the confidence up when uh you know when the shots aren't going and you're not playing as much but this is two games in a row he's gotten good minutes i think this needs to happen because again the coach has even said trey burke not a point guard he's a points guard and we saw that today when sadoransky was on the floor with him that was sadoransky bringing the ball up and Trey Burke running to the wing, and at least at least Burke's ability to play the role, at least nominally, gives a little security of Sadoransky. Yeah. You know, it, depending on the matchup, but that to me is their best hope. I mean, you know, we, McClellan, we've pushed that all year, and it's fine. He played five minutes, no Marcus Thornton again, but I, I don't know if it's realistic that you're going to go with Sadoransky and McClellan, two NBA rookies. Um, and, and Burke is better off the ball. The only thing I guess I would say is when he's doing those subs, put Sadoransky in with Beal as opposed to Wall, but he takes Beal out first typically, so Beal comes back in first. So, I, you know, I guess they're going to have to live uh, with that, or maybe you put Burke in as the first guard, but we'll, 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 take, we'll, take, the, we'll take the steps. Step by step. Yeah, yeah. step by step. Sadoransky <laughs> was in. The bench was better. I mean, the bench scored, what, 28, 36 points? I mean, I, I don't know if that's a season high, but that's probably not because probably not Burke had the 20-whatever in the one game. But um, good sign for the bench. Yes, and, and Wall even mentioned afterward that the bench has been playing better during the home game winning streak. And, of course, this is not coincidence, as we have 
pounded our heads into a wall all season long on this podcast, talking about the bench, the bench, the bench, um, not producing enough. And credit to Scott Brooks for his flexibility for, you know, considering other options and Marcus Thornton, if something with a veteran isn't working, he, he's willing to roll a young guy out there. Um, and he keeps talking about wanting to keep guys quote unquote live by surprising them with minutes, which he has done to multiple players at this point, like McClellan when he was bouncing around. And then now with Sadoransky has been retracted from the mothballs and put back onto the court. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I think Sadoransky's confidence was something that we talked about when he first played, and we were like, wow, this guy has some shits, but he's like right in the has mix. Has some what? Yeah. <laughs> he's right in the mix and not afraid at all. Um, and then it looked like it kind of waned as his, especially with his three-point shooting, that was not good at all, and that kind of went away. And Brooks mentioned today, post-game, Sadoransky continues to work on his three-point shot. Obviously, it's still in the development process as he's had to deal with a deeper line here when he, since coming to the United States. But, you know, I, I feel like when we get toward the all-star break and get toward the trade deadline, if Mahimi returns and Sadoransky can play with any regularity, we're going to hear some form of phrasing out of Scott Brooks or someone else that essentially they feel like they made a trade <laughs> because right. Mahimi's now playing and Sadoransky's playing consistent minutes. And don't forget, like, Daniel House. I mean, I'm not saying he'll play, but it's the same thing. They'll, they'll point to, well, this guy hasn't been around for two months. Yeah, yeah. And luckily his uh, contract became guaranteed, which keeps his comedy in-house. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. Well, you, um, went, you went with in-house. You earlier said hitting a wall. <laughs> well, you're on fire. Yeah, or terrible. Either way. You can look at it either way. So, um yeah, improvements with Sadoransky out there, just ambitious. His activity is good. Activity from Jason Smith, I'm very much about activity on the basketball court because it's such a large influence. Uh, on the Sadoransky front, somebody, I'll, I'll just say a team official, uh, reminded me that or pointed out that part of the reason they went for the Burke trade as opposed to signing, it, keep bringing back sessions or adding somebody else was, if John Wall is playing 36 minutes a game, you're essentially talking about 12 minutes for somebody else. And do you want to give somebody a multi-year deal for eight, nine million bucks a year for 12 minutes? They instead went with Burke, but they also went with Sadoransky bringing him over. That to me going into the preseason, while I mean, I definitely like the idea of Sadoransky more than Burke. It seemed like, okay, that's your backcourt, but you're, you're behind wall. You can cobble together something of that. And because Sadoransky hasn't been playing, that's been out the window. If he can show some something here, and they still want to make that move, the add the Drew Gooden, the trade for Andre Miller, whatever that may be. I don't mean those guys literally, but those types of moves. Uh, then maybe that changes it because when we did this podcast a week or so ago with Jerry Brewer, I think we all like the concept of Jarrett Jack or somebody like that. Maybe if Sadoransky starts playing at a level where, well, he can give us 10 minutes a game as the point guard, maybe instead that veteran guy becomes somebody you can play behind uh, Beal and, and Otto with Ubre getting those more stretch four minutes or whatever it is. So I mean, even that could dictate what they do if they decide that Sadoransky is actually legit. Yeah, and that will also give him the bonus of, again, playing him as the point guard or as a small forward if he's on the floor with other people. So that get, would give Brooks one more one more tool uh, to, to manage out there. Uh, you're listening to the uh, Locked On Wizards podcast. 
Uh, ben standing here with Todd Dibus. All right, so point number three, stats. I just like stats. So I, I, I've, been, I've been tracking this whole field goal attempts, wall beal versus the uh, the percentage they take versus the overall team. And you know, look, in any given game, as an example today, maybe the numbers don't tell the whole story. An example here, Beal and Wall are hot from the start, but because the game sort of turned into a blowout, they don't end up taking too many shots in the second half. Either way, this was the second fewest games. This was the second lowest percentage. All right, so it was the second lowest percentage of Wall and Beal shots relative to the the other team, and the end result, however it got there, was a massive blowout. So this means now that there have been, of the 40 games they played, 32 with Wall and Beal together. Of those uh, 32, it's split evenly in terms of the number of times they've taken more than 41% or more of the field goal attempts, and the other half under 41. So we've hit that point it's even. The record right now, 6-10 and 10 when they take more than 40, 41% or more of the field goal attempts, 12-4 and four the other way. That seems to be of... of uh, of an interesting note, I would say. I mean, and I, I asked Brooks about it. Maybe I'll try to play that audio later. I don't think in and of itself, one thing Brooks said was it's bad. Obviously, the I'm not factoring in the type of shot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high percentage shot, they can take all of them. Sure. <laughs> so, so that's all relative. But it does seem like, as I've been tracking this, the more the two of them are getting other people involved, the better this team is. Yeah, it it seems almost and and less so about the offense. More in it has the direct effect on the defense, uh, making everyone more engaged. And obviously, those, those the contrast and those results are striking. And I believe I have to double check this, but I think I looked at this earlier. Of now the last seven games, the two losses in that stretch were the two highest games of Wall Beal shooting field goal attempts. Were were the, were the two losses. Um, Something to keep in mind. Some other random stats that happened today, so I'll mention them. Otto Porter, three three-pointers. Wizards now 10-2 and two in games where Otto Porter makes three, at least three three-pointers. Markeith Morris, double-double. He had over 10 rebounds. Wizards 7-3 and three when Markeith Morris has nine or more rebounds. What a Kelly Oubre, 18 points. Wizards now 4-0 and oh when Kelly Oubre scores 15 or more points. You ready for this one? Ready. Jason Smith played over 17 and a half minutes. The Wizards are 7 and 1 when Jason Smith plays over 17 and a half minutes. <laughs> of course. They are also 7 and 1 when Bradley Beal has at least 8 free throw attempts. He went 8 for 8 today. They're 8 and 3 when he has at least 5 assists. I think he had 5 today. And <clears throat> they're 6 and 1 when Marcus Thornton doesn't play. Mm. He did not play today. Any of those stats uh the, the, either the field goals or any of those jump out. I find them all interesting. It's also Otto with three threes today has already made seventy threes this season. He made ninety eight threes all of last year, and and we're still hearing Scott Brooks saying Otto should be shooting more threes than he is. So that's been a pretty dynamic change and and something to go back and us for us to discuss another time of him at the four. And his volume of three-point shooting and how that has kind of massaged out the issue of not having a straight-up stretch four, um, which would have been beneficial to this team. So it seems like they've made up some of that ground by using Otto at the four and just him shooting more threes in general. But yeah, all those stats are 
are fascinating, particularly the Jason Smith and Marcus Thornton parts of the equation. Uh, I find very fascinating. They're, they're also 8-1 and one when Trey Burke hits a 3, but he has not had one in a couple games. I haven't been able to update that stat one way or the other. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> All right, it's like, uh, it sounds like a good stat, but don't tell him. It's not like we need him fishing for threes. So, uh, But all right, Wizards win. They're back in it, back at it Wednesday night against Memphis, last of the homestand, and then in the midpoint of the season. Look at you. Look at you doing the, the heavy lifting on the math there. Nice, yeah. Yes, I divided 82 by, <laughs> by two. Big respect all the way around. <laughs> uh, and big respect for you guys for listening. You guys have been very cool with all your uh, comments and uh, compliments. Big shout out to at uh, Eric Melendez08 for your uh, nice comment on Twitter. And uh, if you want to hear the rest of our podcast, find us on iTunes or Audio Boom or anywhere else you do your podcasting. And we're going to call it there. Until next time, Ben Standing and Todd Diver signing off. See ya. Thank you. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long shot. Dagger!